Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Friends, I have a really special episode for you today, and you might have checked the timestamp. It's a really long one. You don't have to listen to the whole thing right now. Um, And this might get repurposed in some other areas as well, but this is a summer project, something that I wanted to work on, and I just picked away at all summer long, and I'm really happy to finally present it to you. This is the entire story of scripture. The idea was that I wanted to retell the main themes of the Bible in these more meditative type of settings. So I kind of broke down the scriptures into 20 major themes that I thought were appropriate and important, so you can kind of follow the whole large arc. And then I retold them in this more meditative style. I did this before on the podcast where I recorded these um, bedtime meditations for kids. That's also kind of the idea behind this. I'm hoping that my children might want to listen to this really long story as they fall asleep at night. And, And in so doing, learn a little bit about the grand story that God has been telling us in the Bible. So I hope you enjoy it. Again, it's really long, so you can like skip ahead, um, jump around, and maybe find particular parts of the story you want. And and be on the lookout too. I might, as I said, repurpose this in other ways. Um, Or just feel free. This is a great way to fall asleep at night, to turn this on, and to just quiet yourself down as you absorb this full story of scripture. I hope you enjoy it. Again, a little different than a typical podcast. Next week, we'll be back with something a little more normal. But here it is, my summer, my summer adventure, the entire story of scripture. For many years, parents have shared stories with their children at bedtime. These stories were often about adventures and magical lands. These stories would fill the children with wonder and amazement as they drifted off to sleep. Tonight's story is a long story that takes place over thousands of years. It's the story of all the ways that God has been trying to rescue and bless and love God's people. It's the story that starts at the beginning of time and continues all the way up until today. It's a story that's been passed down and shared with billions of people. It's a story that was written for everyone to hear. And at the same time, it's a story written specifically just for you. Take a deep breath now and calm your body. Allow this story to fill your heart. As you rest now, Let these sacred and holy words fill you with a deep sense of God's unwavering love. story begins, as all stories do, in the beginning. Long, long ago, at the beginning of everything, there was nothing. Nothing except for God. The earth was nothing, 
The universe was nothing, just a formless void. A vast and deep emptiness was everywhere. But the Spirit of God hovered over the nothingness. As the Spirit hovered over the void, God spoke for the very first time. Only the words of God are so beautiful that they don't sound like words at all. It sounded more like a song. God sang and creation began. First God sang and there was light, bursting joyous light that would live in all parts of God's creation. God went on to sing about the earth and the sea and the birds and the fish and all the animals of the world. And God looked at all that had been created and said that it was very good. And then God created humans, like you and me. We were the last and most important creation. And God filled each and every person with creativity and compassion and light love. All the best qualities of God were placed in us. That's how much God loves us. God will always give the very best of God's self for our sake. And after all of this, God rested. And God hopes that we will discover this rhythm as well balance of creation and Sabbath, this balance that lives within all life, of creation and rest. There is another old, old story about how the world began that would often be shared around campfires. It was a story that tried to explain why humans can become so lost. It's the story of the first two humans, and even though they lived long, long ago, their struggles are not that different than what people still struggle with today. The names of these two people was Adam and Eve, and they lived in a beautiful garden. They spent their days enjoying the perfect green grass, the lush foliage, the pleasant rivers and streams, and the big blue skies. Their only job was to watch after all the animals and to enjoy this beautiful world that God had made for them. In the garden, there were many trees, and Adam and Eve were invited to eat the fruit of any of these trees, except for one. God told them that if they ate the fruit that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then they would die. At first, this was not a problem for Adam and Eve. They happily ate from all the other trees and enjoyed their life in the garden. 
one day, a serpent tricked Adam and Eve. Tricked them into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent told them that if they ate the forbidden fruit, then they would become like God. And it was as if those words had a magical hold on Adam and Eve. Suddenly, the fruit looked so ripe, so sweet, so irresistible. And so they ate it. Not because they were hungry, but because they wanted to become like God. After biting into that forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve saw the world in an entirely different way. They saw parts of themselves as bad, and they saw God as someone to be feared. The knowledge of good and evil had changed them. Their longing to become like God had changed them. And now they saw the world and themselves as divided. Gone was the paradise where everything simply existed in unity with God. God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden, but continued to care for them. Adam and Eve ate the fruit so that they could become like God, but only God can truly see what is good and what is evil. Still today, humans will call something good that is evil, and something evil that is good. And this fracture, which began with Adam and Eve, continues to divide us. Despite Adam and Eve's mistakes, despite our mistakes, God will never tire of reaching out to heal and unite us. Many years later, the world was filled with established communities, groups of people who lived and worked together and shared life with one another. One day, the people came across a plot of land that was very level. It seemed like the perfect spot to build a large, important structure. And so they said, let us build something so large and so grand that it reaches up to heaven. Let us build a tower so impressive that everyone will know who we are because of what we have accomplished. And so the people set to work and they built up a tower towards the heavens. And as they worked, they congratulated one another on being such important, talented people. But God realized that these people were only focused on themselves. They thought that they could work their way up to God. They thought that they were equal to God. They had used their power in order to build a tower that only honored themselves. 
So God came down from heaven and confused the languages of the people and scattered them throughout the world because the people needed to learn to care for each other. They needed to learn that God was God and they were not. And so this is why the world is filled with different languages and different people. Our differences are an invitation from God to look beyond our own goals and to care for other people. Many more years later, there was a man named Abraham, and he was married to Sarah. They were faithful people who believed strongly in God. Some people in Abraham and Sarah's day believed that there were many gods, but Abraham and Sarah believed that there was one God in every place. And so Abraham and Sarah traveled from place to place, and everywhere they went, God was there. When Abraham was 75 years old, God spoke to him and said, Abraham, you're going to leave this place and go to the land that I show you, and I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And not just you, but your family as well. You will all be blessed so that you can carry the blessing forward and be a blessing to other people. And so Abraham and Sarah journeyed a long way and trusted God to show them where they would live. One night God came to Abraham to reassure him and remind him of God's promise. I will be your shield, God said, and your reward will be great. But Abraham was filled with doubt. He did not understand how God could fulfill these promises. Abraham said to God, I do not have any children, and I am only a man. I am old. How will my family be blessed if I have no children? God chuckled a little and told Abraham to look up into the night sky. Millions of stars burned brightly overhead, beautiful and vast landscape of God's power and glory stretched out right before Abraham's eyes. Do you see all these stars? God asked. Count the stars, Abraham. Truly, I tell you, your family will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. From you, Abraham, I will create a great nation. You will be my people. I will be your God, and the world will be blessed through your great nation. God kept the promise to Abraham and Sarah. They had a son named Isaac, who had two sons named Jacob 
and Esau. And Jacob had 12 sons, which would become the 12 tribes of the great nation of Israel, God's chosen people. But before they could become a great nation, the Israelites experienced over 400 years of oppression as slaves in Egypt. They worked every day in the hot desert sun, crying out to God for a change. And God heard their cries. And God chose a man named Moses to lead the chosen people out of their slavery. Moses had grown up in Pharaoh's house, but he was a Hebrew. Moses had seen the suffering and the pain of his people and fled Pharaoh's palace to live and work as a shepherd in the wilderness. But one day God spoke to Moses and called him to shepherd the Israelites out of Egypt and through the wilderness to the promised land. Moses and his cousin Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. But Pharaoh said, No. And so God sent great catastrophes upon the land called plagues, rivers of blood, clouds of locusts, colonies of lice, armies of frogs, fiery hail, and more. But still, Pharaoh said no. And so God sent the angel of death to the land to kill the firstborn son in every family. But God also instructed the Israelites on how to spare their families. All the Israelites placed lamb's blood on the top of their doorposts. And that night, the angel of death passed through Egypt, but it passed over every house marked with the blood of the lamb. And so finally, Pharaoh allowed the Israelites to go free, though he quickly changed his mind. Moses led God's chosen people out of Egypt, and he parted the waters of the Red Sea so that they could cross through the waters to freedom on the other side. And Moses closed up the sea so that Pharaoh's army could not pursue them any further. And God's people sang and danced with joy, for now they were free. Moses' sister, Miriam, led the dancing. to learn how to be God's people for the world. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness, and God guided them, and God provided for them. Every morning on their wilderness journey, manna would appear on the ground, bread from heaven that sustained the Israelites on their way. It wasn't always easy to trust and follow God, but this time of wandering helped form the Israelites into a community who knew to trust God for all of life's needs. One day, while out in the wilderness, Moses climbed to the top of a mountain called Sinai to speak with God. And as the two spoke, 
God provided Moses with ten commandments, ten clear instructions for the Israelites so that they could live in the ways God hoped they might live. Still today, billions of people point to these commandments as important rules for living in community with others. These commandments that were given thousands of years ago to God's people as they wandered in the wilderness, still today, these commandments can help us live as God's people. They instructed the Israelites, and they instruct us today to live as the blessed people of God who are called to be a blessing to others. God eventually guided the Israelites to the promised land, the space that God had told the Israelites about many, many years ago. There was so much joy amongst the people. It was as if a fairy tale were coming true. Those that entered the promised land could remember hearing their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' 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 parents speak wistfully about this holy place pledged to them by God. But arriving in the promised land is not the same as living together in the promised land. There were many years of difficulty and struggle as the Israelites learned how to live together as free people in one place. For a time, the land was governed by judges, but the people wanted a king. Some argued that God was the king, but still most of the people longed to be like the other nations. And so eventually, God relented, and the judge and prophet Samuel anointed Saul as the first king of Israel. After Saul, David became king, and then David's son, Solomon. And the kingdom of Israel expanded and grew, and Solomon built a magnificent temple where the people could worship their true king, God. And this was why Israel was a great nation, because God had blessed them, and because they remembered the promises and commandments of God. They were a holy nation that was established by God so that all the people of the world might know the love of the one true God of Israel in their hearts. Unfortunately, the great nation of Israel soon became splintered and divided. Under King Solomon, the kingdom expanded greatly, but with that expansion and power also came a loss of commitment to the commandments of God. The people began to think 
longer needed God. They had become so powerful, so privileged, so great, that they forgot about the God who had brought them to this point. Worst of all, in all their forgetfulness, the people of God also forgot to care for those in need. They were so focused on preserving and expanding their own power that they neglected those amongst them who needed help. This is what angered God most of all. The people who had not only forgotten God's command to care for the orphan and the widow, but the people had also forgotten their own history. They had forgotten that God saved their ancestors when they were most vulnerable, when they were slaves in Egypt. God sent prophets to try and steer the Israelites back, but people rarely listened to the words of prophets. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt once, the prophets shouted. Remember God's command to care for the orphan and widow, the prophets said. Remember that God is God and you are not, the prophets said. But the great nation of Israel was too focused on its own greatness focused on all the things power and riches could provide them. Eventually, a greater power rose up. The Babylonian Empire conquered the nation of Israel, and many of God's people were captured and taken away from their homes and forced to live in exile in Babylon. fall of Israel and the forced exile of God's people was a time of great suffering and pain. It was as if the Israelites were back in Egypt again. In exile, they could not worship God fully. They could not live freely. They were treated as less than human. They were cut off from their families, cut off from their homeland. And so from their exile in Babylon, the people of God called out. And God heard their cry. God sent prophets who brought messages of hope to the people in the midst of their suffering. The prophets told not just of God restoring God's people, not just of celebration and feasts of rich food, prophets even told of God's ability to defeat death itself. The message of the prophets gave the struggling people of God a reason to look toward the future with hope in their hearts. Because the prophets' words reminded them all of the goodness and the power of their God.
after many long years in exile, the Israelites were eventually returned to their promised land. It wasn't the same as before. Israel would never again be the great nation it once was. But as you may well know, the joy of coming home is a special kind of jubilation. But long with the return to their homeland also came the difficult work of rebuilding. The people of God not only had to rebuild their villages and their temple, but they also had to rebuild themselves as the gathered community of the one true God. A man named Ezra led the efforts to rebuild the community. He reminded the people of the commandments and the rituals and the practices that had once been the distinguishing factor of the people of Israel. The rebuilding process took lots of hard work and lots of prayer. But with God's help and Ezra's guidance, the people of God were able to live once again as God intended them to live. They were restored to their homeland. They were reminded of the essential practices of their faith so that they could once again live as God's people and show the world what God is all about. restoration of Israel was not the end of the story, though. The cycle of unfaithfulness and forgetfulness would repeat itself, and the next time an Assyrian army would come through and force the Israelites into exile again. The story of Israel is one of God's guidance and blessings, followed by forgetfulness and unfaithfulness followed by God's gracious forgiveness and restoration. It's a cycle that repeats over the course of hundreds of years, and yet it is also the cycle that lives in the heart of every human being. Israel's story has always been our story as well. We are blessed and loved by God, called to be God's people at work in the world, caring for the vulnerable. that God is God and we are not. And in our pride and arrogance, we often are led to our own destruction. But God is merciful and abounding in love and forgiveness. Despite our unfaithfulness, God still reaches out to restore us. God calls us back and once again sends us forth to be very presence of God at work in the world. Throughout all of history, 
God has been trying to form a relationship with God's people. God was always looking for humans to carry forward God's ways of compassion and mercy and justice. But the cycle of forgetfulness kept repeating. God's people would be faithful and then they would forget. God was looking for a group of people to bring forth the message of God to all nations. But so often, God's people turned inward and focused only on their own prosperity. God had been looking for people to do this work, and so finally, to change the story and break the cycle, God became a person. God became human in the person of Jesus, and this event It's not just the breaking of the cycle of faithfulness and forgetfulness. It was also the embodiment of so many of God's promises. God was, Jesus was born in a lowly stable to unwed parents in a small, unassuming town called Bethlehem because humility and vulnerability are the very ways of God. God became human in the person of Jesus because God wanted us all to understand that a relationship with God can be deeply personal. God became a fragile human being so that we would know that there is no part of our human existence that is not connected to the presence of God. When Jesus was born and God became human for our sake, some used the title Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God was with us. And God is with us. God is with us when we are faithful. God is with us when we are forgetful with us during every moment in between of this fragile human existence. During his earthly life, Jesus did all that he could to show people what God is really like. He was often critical of the religious leaders of the day, who were sometimes teaching people that they had to say the right prayers or do all the right steps in order to be good enough for God to love them. But Jesus didn't teach like this. Jesus told the people that God was gracious and merciful and always willing to give people a second chance. Jesus would say things like, Blessed are those who mourn, or your faith has made you well, or are you envious because God is generous? He was constantly turning people's assumptions upside down so that everyone might see the openness and expansiveness of God's love. 
But Jesus didn't just communicate this message with his words. His actions also showed the world the power and healing and wholeness of God. Jesus performed dozens of miracles. He healed the sick, he calmed the storms. He fed thousands with just a few fish and loaves of bread. His miracles all showed God's true desire for the world, for people to be fed, for people to be healed, for the whole world to be calm and at peace. Jesus's entire life is a message to people of all times and all places. It's a message that shows us what God most wants us to know. God is powerful and merciful, that God is compassionate and infinitely loving. Jesus' teachings and miracles did communicate the character of God to the world, not everyone liked what they were hearing. Many leaders and authority figures became upset with Jesus because he was spreading a message that ran counter to their message of control. Eventually, some of these leaders conspired against Jesus, and he was arrested and sentenced to die on a cross. Many of Jesus' closest friends deserted him during this most difficult moment of his life. The disciple Peter denied even knowing Jesus. The disciple Judas worked with the leaders to organize Jesus' arrest. Jesus' death was painful and unjust and tragic. Yet even this dark moment was part of God's plan. Jesus experienced some of the very worst situations that a human can face. He was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was killed. And he did all of this for us. The last days of Jesus' life show us that there is nowhere that God will not go for those that God loves. In fact, even death itself was forever changed by Jesus' sacrifice. Death became a place that Jesus had been, a place now infused with the presence of God. And so we know that Jesus is with us in the most difficult moments of our life. And we also know that Jesus will be with us, that his love will surround us in our death and beyond. Sunday after Jesus had died on the cross, a 
collection of women went to the tomb to anoint the body. But when they arrived, the stone for the tomb had already been rolled away. And when they looked inside, they noticed that the tomb was empty. An angel appeared to them and said, Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Jesus is not here. He is risen. Soon, word spread amongst the disciples, and Jesus himself appeared to them in many different ways. And when he appeared, he brought messages of hope and greetings of peace, reminders of God's power and love. In other words, Jesus brought the same messages after his death as he did before. The only difference was that he was risen. The leaders had tried to put a stop to Jesus' message, but his message was now stronger than ever. The disciples had seen him die and thought that all hope was lost, but now he was alive, and so hope and joy were overflowing. Jesus' resurrection showed the world that nothing is impossible with God. And Jesus' resurrection taught the disciples something else about God's character. His resurrection shows us that God cares about life. God cares about making all things new. God will not stop working until all of creation is restored and renewed and whole again. Jesus' resurrection renewed the hope and the passion of the disciples. They began to understand that hatred and despair and death were not God's will. No, God would always find a way to bring more love and more hope and more life this world. One day, not long after Jesus rose from the dead, a group of disciples were gathered in Jerusalem when suddenly a mighty rush of wind swept through the room where they were staying. Tongues of fire rested upon the heads of each disciple, and they began to speak in different languages. This wind and fire was the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised the disciples that the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, would one day soon come to guide and strengthen them. And now... Those words were fulfilled. The disciples went out from the room into the city, and in many different languages they began to proclaim the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. The good news of God's plan for love and hope and life. Now, in Jerusalem at that time, there were many other people who had traveled from all over the world for a special festival. And these people were amazed to hear the disciples speaking to them in their native language. 
something amazing was happening and no one was entirely sure how to explain these wonders. Peter, one of Jesus' first disciples, stood up in the middle of the city and loudly addressed the crowds of people who were gathered. Peter told them about an ancient prophecy that many in the crowd had heard before. Peter told them that this prophecy from Joel was now being fulfilled. He told them that Jesus had died and risen from the dead and that this Jesus was the promised Messiah that so many were waiting for. The crowds of people were overwhelmed by the wonders they were seeing and by Peter's compelling words. Thousands of people were baptized that day and the movement that Jesus had started with his words and miracles was now taking on a new form. This movement, when the Holy Spirit descended and thousands committed their lives to Jesus, this moment is seen as the beginning of the Christian church. A movement that still continues with us today. In the years after the Christian church began, many people were not happy with their message. One man named Saul worked very hard to capture Christians and put them in jail. One day, he was walking towards the town of Damascus so that he could capture more Christians in that area. On the way, a bright light blinded Saul, and a voice said to him, Saul, why do you persecute me? It was the voice of Jesus. Jesus told Saul to continue to Damascus and to meet a disciple there named Ananias who would heal his blindness. Everything happened exactly as Jesus said. Saul's vision became restored by Ananias and Saul immediately was baptized. Afterwards, he became one of the most powerful voices in favor of Christianity. Saul became known as Paul, and he started many different churches throughout the entire world. He wrote letters to these churches to instruct them about the ways of God and the story of Jesus, and these letters are still included in our Bibles today. But more importantly, Paul's story shows us again about the ways of God. Paul was against the church, but God changed his heart and used Paul's gifts for good. Paul's old ways of violence and hatred and death were changed into messages of love, hope, and life. church has grown and changed and split and united many times over the years. While the church is guided by the Holy Spirit, it is also led by flawed human beings. And 
so there is much that happens in churches that isn't always in line with God's hope for the world. But still, Christians continue to try and live in the best ways they know how. Since the very beginning, God was looking for a way to be present on earth so that all the world would know God and show God's love to one another. The Israelites, God's chosen people, had moments of faithfulness and moments of forgetfulness. And in the same way, Christians today have moments where they make God's love known in the world, but also moments where their actions fail to express God's message of love, hope, and life. The cycle that began thousands of years ago continues. But what hasn't changed over the years is God's presence and patience with us. Jesus' life and death and resurrection remind us that nothing is impossible with God. And the Holy Spirit still rests upon us, upon the Christian church, calling us forth to share God's message with all the world. We will fail and forget, just as so many have before. But God forgives and invites us to try again. And ultimately, we believe that the future always rests in God's hands, that in the end, all of creation will be redeemed and restored and made whole by the God whose love, hope, and life is eternal.